Hello and welcome to Carnivorous Chats. My name is James, your host. I started this podcast to help other folks share their own healing stories and to interview thought leaders and experts in the carnivore, keto, and low oxalate space. Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to Equip Foods and the Carnivore Bar. As an affiliate, you can use the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products when you check out using the code Carnivorist. Thanks in advance for listening, subscribing, and any likes or shares. And now, on with the podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Carnivorous Chats. It's your host, James. Uh, Once again, I am so happy to be talking to my guest today because it is none other than my good buddy, my coffee compadre, the return of Devin Willett, the contoured carnivore. Devin, so great to see you. You are one of my favorite people in the world. Um, After spending the weekend with you at Keto Katsu, I am super happy to be back. Devin, I can't believe it's been since February the 19th, episode 14 of Carnivorous Chats, that we had our first conversation. And let me tell you, your episode was so warmly received by so many folks, especially in the women in the carnivore space and those women that are also facing challenges with interstitial cystitis and thyroid problems. It was really great feedback on that. The one thing I'm super proud about um, with my platform is that for some reason, I feel like the interviews that I do on other podcasts and YouTube channels are really, really well received and get really good views. And the feedback is always super positive. And I'm like super proud of that. So I'm really glad that the feedback was the same on yours and I'm happy to be back. And hopefully this one will be received equally as well too. I am sure it will. And the reason, Devin, that I like to have follow-ups with my guests is because, and we're going to discuss this today, that this way of eating can change over time. I know it has for me and I know it has for you. I've watched you and listened to you leading up to today's chat on a number of other folks' podcasts, specifically with our mutual friend, Claire, who you just Cecil and beyond the scale, true healing. You did an update episode with her a few weeks back. And I said, I've got to catch up with Devin and just get her to explain what's been happening in her dietary choices in her life. And to just let the listeners know what you've been going through. So I wonder if you could do that. I know you started reintroducing some foods back in March of this year. Tell us about that. Yeah. So my, (laughs) I was pretty strict carnivore for a little over a year. And I know that you wanted to get into this. Uh, I I was getting really bored. Um, Like I just found myself not wanting to eat, not eating enough because I was like, oh, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat another steak, another, you know, whatever. And so I wanted to reintroduce um, some foods. And we had a really great guest on our podcast, Courtney and I's podcast, um, a nutritionist, Amy Berger. And I was like talking to her about some of these issues I was having. I was like, I just don't want to eat. And she had asked me, and this is no fault of her own either. This is, I should have known what direction this was going to go. And she's like, well, what food like would make your food more palatable? And I had said like, I want sweet potatoes, you know, like I love sweet potatoes. I want sweet potatoes. And she's like, just throw in half sweet potato you know, and see how it goes. Well, of course it's super yummy and delicious. And it's not to say that I was craving sweet potatoes because I, there were days where I didn't eat any sweet potatoes, not, you know, thinking that my interstitial cystitis, my, you know, my lab reports, everything had come back so great after a year of carnivore. And I had been doing keto before that. So I was in pretty good health minus some of these issues with my thyroid 
and the ice, the interstitial cystitis. And so I was like, oh yeah, like, let me add some sweet potatoes in. Not even knowing that potatoes are one of the highest oxalate culprits out there. And so of course I'm getting super happy. I'm eating again. I'm, you know, I gained a little bit of weight was what I wanted to do. Cause I was getting to a weight where I just wasn't comfortable. Um, and you know me, I'm very into my aesthetics. So I started gaining a little bit of weight back. I introduced a little bit of white rice, some plantains, what else? Um, some bananas, things like that. So I was finally eating, getting my appetite back. And then wham, about six, seven, eight weeks ago, it's probably going on about like a month and a half, two months now, my interstitial cystitis flared up horrifically. It was so bad. And I'm even dealing with it now. The worst flare up I've had in in a year plus. And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm so miserable. I'm in pain. Um, And for anyone who doesn't know what interstitial cystitis, I tell people the best way to just describe it is like, for women, if you've had a UTI, it feels like a UTI, but there is no infection. So I kind of got, I was like super upset, you know, oh my God, what's happening? There was some suspicion on having a kidney stone, which I do suspect it was maybe either some bladder stones or a kidney stone. And finally I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to go back. And I did go back to basics just because I was in so much pain. And it seems to have, I have it under control, but I am taking some pain medication, but I, I do suspect that it was all those oxalates that I had been consuming. I mean, you saw me slamming down the sweet potatoes in, uh, in Austin. So I, that is what, you know, I changed my diet. I, I think it was the oxalates and I'm doing my best to remove them now. Let's talk a little bit further about, about that food boredom that can come because, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that this diet will never become boring the way you eat. You know, it's very repetitive and it's very easy. However, it can become mundane because as carnivores, I can tell you, I still crave the crunch. I sometimes mm-hmm. crave the sweet because we get so much savory and so yeah. much salt. So besides the sweet potato, which absolutely you're, you're hundred percent right is a high oxalate offender. If Sally was here, she'd be slapping us both on our wrist. Well, but- that, she said, when we sat down and ate at that, that one night, she was like, Oh, those, that, those sweet potatoes. <laughs> I was like, uh, and I didn't even, to be completely honest in interstitial cystitis, when you get diagnosed and you're, you're under the care of like a, um, a urologist, they don't talk to you about oxalates. It's all acidic foods, um, things that have just like a lot of acid that can be very irritating to the lining of your bladder, or even some things that might disrupt like your kidney function or whatever. They never talk to you about oxalates. Even to this day, my urologist and my urogynecologist have never said anything about oxalates. So it wasn't discussed. And of course I kind of knew about oxalates after doing this and suffering with kidney stones and things like that. Of course, it was still never mentioned to me, but I never was told to remove oxalates and I removed them thinking like, oh, it's the almond flour from keto. It's the the macadamia nuts, the almond milk, the coconut, you know, like all that stuff. But I didn't realize that like potatoes were actually just as high up there as like the nuts and things like that um, and spinach. I, I never realized that. So that was just a lack of me not doing enough research. Let's also talk about some of the other things I heard you added in too, Devin. I heard you added in some avocado, plantains, and just as an aside, plantains can be high themselves 
It's just um, so you know. Did you know avocados are antioxidants too? I had no idea. And here I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, these foods are pretty low in anti-nutrients. It, it was avocado um, too. And I was eating a lot of it. Um, and so that, if you want to get into that, we can, towards the end, we can talk about what I'm doing now. But yes, all things that I had no freaking idea were high in oxalates because they are so accepted in like not so much plant um sweet potatoes and plantains but like avocado if you come from the keto space avocado even in carnivore like the animal based community avocado is like a go to you know what i mean i had no idea not even thinking about how much avocado i had eaten when i was keto too and so i am learning so much and i i never stopped to think like high ox google high oxalate foods i never did that because i had always been told spinach nuts and seeds things like that i never knew so that was just a lack of knowledge and research on my part but again, it, it, we, you live and you learn. Devin tying into that with, you know, what can for some people add up to food. I, I hate to call it boredom, but again, mundane way of eating, yeah. but also tied in for you to you, excuse me, is your desire and focus on training and aesthetics and look, I know you added some things back in because you found that you were losing weight on the car the carnivore way of eating, which happens to a lot of people too. They end up under eating because the food's so satiating. Yeah. So let's say I, I want to talk about food boredom because I think that we get a lot of sugar coated content in the carnivore community, which is why I've kind of had a really hard time in the past couple of months, along with my struggle talking about this, because it's not talked about. We talk about like, oh, how can you get sick of eating a ribeye every day? And of course we don't get sick of eating a ribeye every day. That's not what I'm, t I, I don't, I don't want it to sound like, oh, I don't appreciate having the ability and financial means to eating a ribeye or a steak every day. It's not, it's just that when you are, your diet becomes so redundant and you're in this ketogenic state all the time, it just suppressed my appetite. I was never hungry. And people who have been doing a ketogenic diet for years will tell you that that is like, because that's your body's way of saying, okay, you have the fat to burn. You don't need to eat. You're in a fat, you know, fasted state. And I am a total believer and science proves this, that our being in a fed state is more rare than being in a fasted state. We existed in a fasted state, you biologically and evolutionary. And so it makes sense that on a ketogenic carnivore diet, you're not hungry. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about eating when you're eating the sweets, when you're eating a whole foods, high fat, moderate protein diet. And so I just was never hungry. I was losing. And for me, I was losing too much weight. As you said, I care deeply about aesthetics and training in the gym. It's my favorite thing in the entire world. I love weight training. And so I just was like losing and losing and losing. And I'm not trying to lose. And I'm like, oh, like I'm getting a little low on the scale. And I know a lot of people are gonna, you know, I've had people say like, oh, that must be really hard for you. Well, when you spend two hours in the gym every day to look muscular and you're not looking muscular because you can't, you know, I couldn't force myself to eat anymore. It, it is kind of a problem. And I think that there is a healthy weight that every body type looks really healthy at. And then when you get below that, you start to look a little emaciated. I know that you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I was just getting to that point where I was like, mm, I'm looking a little like I need to eat a cheeseburger, even though I'm eating cheeseburgers all the time. So that was really hard. But again, it makes total sense. I was really satiated by this very, very calorically dense food. 
Um, and I didn't need to eat all the time. I wasn't eating enough because I simply could not, you know? And so that's where the food boredom came in. I was like, oh, I don't want to eat any more of this. Maybe if I make my food a little bit more palatable by introducing these foods, I can eat more, which is what happened. But then again, I introduced the wrong things. And just for a little bit of levity in today's episode, Devin, I'm just going to hold up this. I wonder if the, can you guys see? Yeah, I have a card here and this is a ticket and it reads on it. You admit one to the Devin gun show. Are you going to make me flex? I am. I am. Dang. I, Dang. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm telling <Watch> you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Segwaying into that and tying into that. Talk to me about when you added the carbs back in, the benefits that you saw in the gym, because I know you did. And I'm interested because I as well, I'm eating a ton, but I'm getting very full. I've put on weight, which I'm very grateful for. Now you're looking to optimize your gym results, right? So I know it's the irony, right? Right. And it's it's a really hard reality for us people who like are low carbers, keto, um, no carbers. The reality, and it makes sense, is that carbohydrates 100% help your gym performance essential? Not at all. Do they help? Yes. And and this also gets into the conversation of like, okay, when you're in a calorie deficit, because I am one of those people that counts. Um, I know that's like a huge controversial thing, but when you're in a calorie deficit, your gym performance is going, you are not going to build muscle as easily as when you are at maintenance or eating in a surplus. That's just the reality of building muscle. But when I did introduce the carbs, oh my goodness, I was, you know, I mean, I think my progress in the last, when I went to introducing the carbs, I could see it astronomically compared to when I was not carnivore, how I felt my endurance, being able to do cardio more often, my weights increasing. It was wonderful. I loved it. I love the the progression that I'm seeing in my body. That gets addicting to someone like me who feeds off of training. And for anyone who wants to say I overtrain, I don't overtrain. I have a trainer I know what I'm doing. I have never injured myself in the gym. I love it. I want to do it. Um, I know it's like really trendy to be like, oh, go on a walk outside. And I love James, I'm not hating because I know you, but when uh, the walk going on a walk is not building muscle, like you're not going to build muscle and muscle is so important for longevity and health, especially in women because we are the ones who suffer from like osteoporosis and things like that. So um, women suffer way more than men. So I, I train because I love it. I want to look a certain way. I like having a lot of muscle. Yeah. So I just, it, it's hard. It's a hard reality. I don't remember where I was going with that point. But, oh, I think that the tendency, I think what I was trying to say is there's, it's a very popular right now to kind of eat on training really hard, like pushing your body. But the, the, the thing is, is when you're giving your body the right fuel, you can train really, really hard. So a lot of people right now will say, oh, well, don't overdo cardio, over cardio, put doing cardio excessively. And I'm not talking like I, I do 20 minutes on the Stairmaster four or five days a week at a high intensity level. I'm not, I'm not saying running a marathon. If you're trying to run, you're probably overdoing cardio. If you're training and running 10 miles a day, I'm not talking about running 10 miles a day, but I've seen a lot of people posting in their stories saying you're overdoing cardio. You're overdoing cardio. If you're doing well, in my experience, usually you're not doing overdoing cardio. You're not feeding your body the right food. You're under eating and then you're over training because you're under eating and you don't have the fuel to train. 
does that make does that make sense um it's been it's become really popular to demonize cardio and it's just your body if you're feeding it the right way and not under eating you're eating nutritious foods you're fueling you're probably not training hard enough to be honest i think that's a huge thing that people don't understand and i see it every day in the gym totally agree with you devin and i use my weighted walks because my job that i have from it's it's more than a nine to five now. It's turned into almost a 12 hour day in my job currently. And it's a sedentary job. It's behind a computer. So I use my weighted walks to put weight on my back and go for five miles up and down hilly terrain in Bermuda to use that as not only cardio because extra weight on me, I have an extra almost 30, 30 pounds. Um, but then I alternate days from going on my walk to doing gym weights. And yeah, a lot of people would say that your walks are overtraining and it's just, we are meant, our bodies are built for movement. Um, we bear, we live a very sedentary lifestyle. Even me as a stay at home mom, like I, I train, but our bodies were meant to lift heavy things. Our bodies were meant to move constantly. You're, you're probably not overtraining. In fact, I would say most people are under training. We have no idea how capable we are physically because we've been told, oh, do lightweights, do lightweights. No, you should be lifting really heavy things. It drives me nuts. You're not overtraining. You're probably under training. You're probably under eating and you're probably malnourished. Again, tying into what we're talking about, Devin, and having yourself added those foods back in and now understanding that you're probably going to have to remove some of those yeah. foods because you saw such benefit with the carbohydrates that you had added in the gym. How are you augmenting that now? What are you doing? Are you increasing your protein? What are you going back to? Okay. So I went back to basics for a couple of weeks, just eating meat again, um, trying to use as little spices just to kind of get that get that body back and get the inflammation down. Still super bored of <laughs> the food. Um, super, I was kind of, Oh, I don't want to do this, but right now I am doing a low, low oxalate, low acid. So, uh, foods. So I'm not a hundred percent carnivore. My plate will always revolve around me, no matter what diet or, you know, lifestyle I choose, it will always revolve around the meat. So getting some variety in as far as meat, I've been doing more chicken, chicken thighs. I've introduced some sirloin because I was, and I don't kill me when I say this, I love a good ribeye, but I was just kind of getting a little tired of the fatty meat. And I don't know what, it, I think my body probably just didn't need the, the as much fat. Um, So some sirloin, one thing I do, I have been enjoying is I, have you seen the chicken apple sausage trend on TikTok? I have not. So there are some like organic, really minimally processed sausages at Costco, and they're absolutely delicious. I love eating them. Um, and they're, they're, they have seasonings in them, very minimal, and they're organic, grass-fed beef. Um, they're like the Teton's Polish sausages too. I've been enjoying those because they're, they're very palatable. So they've got a good balance between fat and protein. So my plate always revolves around like those things, the, the chicken, the sirloin, the sausages are just really delicious. Um, so I want to eat them, but doing really safe fruits and vegetables and people are going to probably comment on there are no safe fruits and vegetables, whatever. I, I don't care at this rate. Cucumbers are pretty minute in anything. I've done some mini or, and everything I buy is organic. All my produce is always organic because, um, I did not eat 
produce for such a long time that when I do eat it, I want it to be the highest quality. I've done a little bit of mini bell peppers. I try and watch my lectin intake just because there is a correlation between people who have Hashimoto's, which I don't have Hashimoto's anymore. I'm haven't had to take medication for over two years now. Hashimoto's and lectins. So I do try and watch my lectin intake. Um, so I have those just a little bit every, every few days, but really focusing on uh, like fresh organic watermelon locally too. So I've been having a little bit of watermelon. All the stuff that I'm like eating is really low calorie. I try and get most of my calories from the meat still. It's just adding that refreshing stuff to make me want to eat, to be 100% honest. And I will just eat an organic cucumber and it's refreshing and cooling. And it gives you that crunch that you don't always get in carnivore. And then the watermelon, watermelon is like my favorite food in the entire world. Like my favorite um, fruit. I could eat watermelon all day, every day. So yeah, that's kind of what it's looking like, but I'm trying really low acidic foods. I did have an apple without the skin for the first time today, um, this morning. So just kind of playing around with those really there's specific kinds of apples that are low acid. So I bought the low acid ones like pink lady, I think is one of them. They're really low in acid and of course organic. So that's what it looks like. Oh, and a banana. I have had a banana. Um, so yeah, focusing on eating different kinds of meat just for the variety and then really low oxalate and low acid foods, fruits and veggies. I just want to say just a quick comment from me on this whole thing. You know, the more that I have been on this diet and we're going to talk at the end, we're going to wrap it up with one of our dear friend, Judy Cho's famous sayings that you've repeated before, you know, you have to get to a point where you don't have to be on the carnivore diet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so many of us, and I understand why when we find this way of eating for healing, start feeling so much better and follow thought leaders and doctors in this space, but we shouldn't live in an echo chamber. We shouldn't just keep extolling things because we see other people doing it. And I really appreciate, Devin, that you've taken the time to try and figure out what's worked for you. My diet has changed quite a bit since I started. I just did a video today that I posted what I eat in a day on the carnivore diet, where I talked about the fact that I learned that I was reacting to egg whites. I still eat yolks, but egg whites for me are difficult. I changed my fat intake on a lot of the products that I use over the time because my gallbladder still gives me issues because of my oxalate and vegan past. So I'm just appreciative of the fact that you've changed and are willing to talk about it. Yeah, I think I think um, not to be negative, but I do think the carnivore community can be a little bit dogmatic. It's very similar to vegans. And I and I hate to say that because when I started my page and started the platform, I was, you know, and I and then still am to a certain level, very passionate about health and wellness. But um, the bottom line is, uh, like Judy Joe says, it's an elimination diet. You should not have to, you should choose to be carnivore because you want to, not because you have to. And that's the whole point of root cause healing. I have learned the hard way. I do not tolerate oxalates well. It is just the reality. Is it unfortunate? Yes. Does it make me a little sad that I might never enjoy a sweet potato without consequence? Yes, it actually really upsets me because it's one of my favorite things in the world to eat, but that's the reality. Um, I discovered that through an elimination diet, root cause healing. But if you are able to figure out the root cause, what foods are upsetting you, and then you choose to reintroduce foods that your body tolerates well, and I'm not talking about Pop-Tarts, I'm talking about a cucumber. Okay. Like I think people try, tend to run with this, like, oh my God, you're going to eat junk food. No, I want to eat a cucumber. It's a hundred degrees outside. 
it tastes good. You know what I mean? Then you can do that. I, I don't, I think there is a lot of shame of like, oh my God, you're eating dairy. Oh my God, you ate a cucumber. Oh my God, you ate a strawberry. Well, if it's not affecting me in a negative way, then what's it to you? You know what I mean? What does, what, if you don't handle that stuff well, then don't do it. Don't eat it. Don't consume it. But if it doesn't affect me in a negative way, negative way, then what's it to you, you know? And so um, if you do not want to be strict carnivore for the rest of your life and you want to use it as a method to heal your body, which I will always promote, then you don't have to be a strict carnivore for the rest of your life. Eat the foods that don't affect your body negatively and don't eat the foods that do. It's so important that we talk about this though, because everyone's dietary tale and journey is different. You found out you have interstitial cystitis or had or whatever's going on. One thing, just as a side note, with this recent foray into eating sweet potatoes and stuff, had you kept an eye on your thyroid? Did your thyroid stay normal? Uh, my thyroid, I got labs done in the middle of this whole journey. What's really interesting is that my blood sugar, like I got my, like, uh, what is it? Like your A1C done. Even after I introduced like, right, a little bit of white rice and I wasn't eating rice every day um, and sweet potato, my A1C was 78. So very low insulin reactions to these foods from what what I, I'm, and I'm not super good at talking about like blood sugars. That's not, I'm more into like the, the fitness type, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but from what I know, 78 is a pretty low blood sugar. And my doctor was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. I just eat like a really, I had eaten that way so long that that seems to be where my body is really stable at from what I understand. But my thyroid is perfect. Um, my cholesterol was a little elevated, but my, my um, triglycerides were so low and my HDL was so high that my doctor was like, I don't even care. She was really great. She was like, I don't even care about the high LDL. When it is so crazy, it was 244, okay, which is not actually that high. If you look at the history of the, the levels, my husband's is 170 and his doctor was like, you need to go on metformin. And I was like, no, he doesn't because 170 is a low cholesterol. I'm trying to get him on the train. He's He actually started incorporating fasting into his day. So he's doing a lot better with his... Um, on diet. But I was like, you do not need to be on cholesterol medicine for 170. I think it was 174. And I was like, that is not like, that is not high at all. But yeah, 244 for a year long strict carnivore diet. And I was, I'm pretty proud of that. You have a great doctor that saw that difference with the, the triglycerides and the HDL level versus your LDL and I, recognized that you don't need to be doling out statins and other oh, things yeah, like pills. Yeah. Like um, yeah, she was really great. She was like, ah, your thyroid's fine. The only thing that I was, which we know as carnivores, I was low in um, vitamin C, um, which makes sense. That was the only thing I was really low in, but like my HDL was 94, super high. But all I know is that my ratio for heart, um, what is it like the heart disease predictor was incredibly low. So super, um, super proud of how my blood work looks. So everything underneath the surface is, is good. I want to talk about now the supplements that you're currently taking, because this is another big topic in this space. And I'm 
I'm one that I'm, I openly admit I take some supplemental stuff because when I first started this journey, my digestion was a wreck. Um, I use Equip Foods. You saw that I'm an affiliate for them. I love their unflavored protein and I know you do too. So talk to us about what you're taking. Also, uh, I wanted to mention, I do use creatine. Are you still using it? I'm still using creatine. My supplements, I'll talk about like the health supplements versus like my um, fitness supplements. So ever since I've had this flare up, I've done a lot of research on supplements that can heal um, and kind of soothe the lining of the bladder. So I am taking a few things for that. I'm taking D-monos, um, which is notorious for you. You know this, James. Yeah. Um, it is notoriously known to help basic purify the lining of the bladder. So that is one I'm on. I am taking a very expensive one that I can't recall the name of right now, but basically it's meant to help with interstitial cystitis and it's incredibly pricey. Again, I do think that these things have helped. I don't know if it's all like up to, you know, if my, my flare flares going down is up to these supplements, I'm just kind of covering my bases and aloe, um, freeze dry aloe vera too. is supposed to be really soothing to the lining of the bladder. So I'm taking those for overall health. I do take, um, beef liver supplements just to it. Obviously I'm struggling with my bladder. I figured it can't hurt. And for my fitness, I do take, by the way, I'm someone who's not super scared of stevia because I gave it up for so long. It does not seem to affect me at all. I did strict carnivore and introduced a little bit of stevia. So it, it doesn't trigger any cravings for me. So I'm not opposed to that for people who are, don't do it. Like get out, like if it, it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. Um, so I do equipped foods. I tend to love, you know what, as I'm sitting here, you know where I'm going to go with this. I like the peanut butter one. But you know, peanuts are high in oxalates, so that's got to go. I remember Equip putting on a little tag where you can, you know, the frequently asked questions about the oxalate content on their products. And I, if I remember, I thought I recall them saying that they are very low, but yeah, I mean, typically peanuts can be. But I don't do it every day. It's only if I know I'm not going to hit my protein goal for the day. I do take creatine every day. Either I will just dry scoop it <laughs> and just chug water, or I will take it in a recovery. There is a brand of recovery, um, like a post-workout recovery that has creatine in it that I really enjoy. But other than the, the protein, the creatine, and the post-workout, I do take a pre-workout. You know I love my caffeine, <laughs> so I don't, I don't necessarily need it. But um, when I say that I'm working really hard in the gym, I, I think that people think that I'm going and throwing around 15 and there's nothing wrong with it. We all start somewhere. I did start with 15 pounds. I'm not, I, I'm talking, I'm li uh, sometimes I'm lifting 450 pounds. Like I'm not, I'm not joking around. So the, the, the pre-workout really um, gives me that extra boost, um, but I don't need it to perform well in the gym. I just like the way it feels on some of the days where I know I'm lifting really heavy and going to try and hit, um, hit those PRs for myself. Has your protein requirements changed since you've dropped carbs? I really try and hit 150 grams a day. That really, my body, the way I like my body to look and the way that my body seems to kind of maintain when I'm eating an optimal diet and optimal calories is around 150 pounds. Um, so I, I've been, I've lost a couple of pounds. I got up to like 155 a couple of weeks ago. And then since cutting back on like the starchy vegetables and stuff like that and the starches, 
um, I dropped back down to 149, 150. So my body seems to really like to maintain there. So my goal is always 150 grams of protein. And I'm really happy with that 150 pound range that I'm at. And it just seems like when I'm at 150 pounds, I like the way I look, I like the way I feel, and my body just kind of maintains that. So I've accepted that 150 pounds for my short little, short little stature is where my body just really seems to thrive. Now you can get into the, your body fat and muscle and how it kind of, you can stay at a range and lose fat and build muscle. And I think I, I still think I'm losing fat and building muscle. So it just kind of stays there. Last question from me, Devin, and we're going to shift away from the food and the exercises. What is going on with the contoured carnivore and the makeup side with you? I know you've been super busy. Are you still keeping up with that? And what's, what else is happening with the contoured carnivore? Yeah. So, um, my kids are keeping me busy. It's summertime. My husband got a new job and it's been a really, you know, great transition for our family. Um, we have more family time, but unfortunately for my page and everything, that means less time for that. For those of who, who don't know my story, my husband was in the military for nine years and we missed out on a lot of time together. And so he was gone a lot. Um, and I, I mean, to the point where I had my first son by myself. And so we missed out on a lot of time together in our marriage and with our family. And so he got out of the military last year, got a new job that was very demanding and he was never home again. And then he found another job that is allowing for a very, very good work-life balance. So we moved to a new area and there's lots of nature and things to do with our kids. And so I have been very absent on social media because I'm just kind of enjoying being a mom. My kids are six and three and my, my six-year-old is going to be seven and going to school next year for the first time we homeschooled him um, up until this point. And so I like know that my life with him is changing and my dynamic is changing. So I just like kind of want to be a mom, you know, um, I just, I love being a mom and I want to be with my kids all the time. And when I'm in my downtime, I really love reading. So I kind of just been telling everyone like, I'm really enjoying just being like a mama because I know when he goes off to school, it's going to change our family dynamic. And I want to soak up the last two months with him. And so that's just what's going on. I, 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 I do anticipate once he's in school and I only have my three-year-old who is fairly easy to entertain that I will be able to kind of keep up a little bit more and have a little time to post more. But I just, I hate to say it, but like right now, I just, uh, I kind of just want to be a mama. Yeah. Social media can become all consuming. Ask me how I know, <laughs> especially now that Instagram's come out with this threads thing. I'm like, oh, I went sure. in there. I'm like, what's going on here? There's something right. new that you have to keep up with. Speaking of which, Devin, where can the folks find you now if they want to on social media? I know you've got your YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I am on TikTok. I, I really would love to get into posting into TikTok more makeup content. And like I said, I love to read. I'm an avid, avid reader. I would love to be just kind of like create mom content, food content, weight loss content, workout content, and post it on TikTok because the growth over there is crazy. But like I said, I just want to be a mom. Um, my YouTube is actually doing really well for me not posting anything. <laughs> Um, so I, I would happy to have you join me on YouTube. I am still active. I still answer my messages. Um, I'm still posting on my stories and stuff. I just, uh, am not as active as I was a couple of months ago before my move, just because we, this is a huge change. We went from living in the greater DC area to moving to the middle of nowhere. So it's been a really big change and we're just kind of exploring life as we know it. But 
Um, I do anticipate getting more active once school starts and I kind of have like one less kid to take care of during the day. Devin Willett, it is always a joy to catch up with you. I miss our conversations. And when we chat, it is like we just catch up immediately. It's like I felt like I knew because uh, we had chatted quite a bit before KetoCon. And as soon as I met you, I was like, yeah, we pretty much know each other. our time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got to get you to the East Coast, though. Yes. East Coast person all the way. We we got to get we got to get you here. Devin, thank you for taking the time out today. I know you're a busy lady. Best to you and the family. Always, always, always sending my very best to you guys. And thanks and catch up again soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And that's a wrap on this episode of Carnivorous Chats. If you've made it this far, I want to say thank you for listening. And also thank you in advance for liking, subscribing, or sharing this episode. Thanks again to the good folks at Carnivore Bar and Equip Foods. Don't forget to check the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products. And also, don't forget you can book me for a 30-minute carnivore coaching session. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Until the next time, be well. Be well.